Hello and welcome back to another edition of Soccer from the Zoo's Kansas City Soccer Update. I'm Kyle Pinnell and for the first time in a few weeks, I got another preview episode. I believe it's the first one that I've put together since previewing the Austin game a couple of weeks ago. Again, like I said in the last podcast, I've just been getting home, been a little busy, but feels good to go back and look at other MLS teams, look at other NWSL teams previewing some of these games for Sporting Kansas City, especially after the good run of form. Sporting has been in relatively lately, of course, looking at their last game, a 3-0 win over the Vancouver Whitecaps, looking to build momentum off of that result. And they go, they travel actually to San Jose, California, will take on uh, the Earthquakes kind of in a slump right now after their hot start to the season. And that's exactly where I'm going to start with San Jose Sporting Kansas City. It's a late game. So for all of you guys in the central time zone, this is going to be a 9 p.m. kickoff at PayPal Park, again, in San Jose. But I think it's one worth staying up for. It's going to be an intriguing game. As of late, the uh, Earthquakes haven't been as entertaining as they were in the first few weeks when they set the league on on fire, especially look at a 17-year-old player like Cade Cowell, who I'll get into a little later. He started the season with two goals, five as, or two goals, three assists, actually. And he hasn't done much since then. Earthquakes are playing their third game in the week, they started with a loss to the Seattle Sounders, 1-0. Followed that up by a loss to the Portland Timbers, 2-0 last weekend. And then now they play Sporting Kansas City. So it's a, it's a very important game, especially for San Jose, who obviously do not want to be dropping nine consecutive points at home in the span of the week. Because it's one thing if you're rotating for a midweek game on the road in a Houston, but when you're dropping or you're getting three straight losses at home. That's just a killer. And so there's a lot of pressure on San Jose to bounce back to form in this game against Sporting Kansas City. So I'm going to go through the lineup starting with San Jose. Uh, Marcus Lopez starting at left back. Keeper James Marcinkowski. Left center back Tanner Beeson. Right center back Florian Jungworth. And then Tommy Thompson at right back. Some familiar names. Some more unfamiliar for some MLS fans. Uh, midfield double pivot in a 4-2-3-1 for the Earthquakes. That'll be Jackson Yule and Eric Rometty. Looking at the three here, Carlos Fierro, Javier Lopez as that more number 10 in that three-man midfield. Christian Espinosa on the right. And up front is Cade Cowell, the aforementioned 17-year-old forward for San Jose. So a pretty strong lineup, at least with the form they were in the start of the season. And... And what makes this game really intriguing, it's the first time these two teams have played since the playoffs of last year. Obviously, you know what happened. Sporting Kansas City barely scraped by the Earthquakes in a very exciting playoff game on penalty kicks at Children's Mercy Park. And so San Jose obviously has that weighing on them to want to get a lot of vengeance there. So there's a lot of motivating factors for the San Jose Earthquakes in this game. So just kind of going through my notes on the Quakes, 4-2-3-1, like I said, with them. The big thing with San Jose, and if you read any amount of MLS coverage or any of that, you, you know that San Jose is a team that likes to man mark. They will run really fast. They're one of the most fit teams in the league as far as marking a lot of different players. They individually mark each player. Now, it can be argued that they work more than they really have to, and that's where their downfall is, but they will be... They will press the entire game. They won't get tired. They have good subs off the bench, and I'll get to that in a second as well. But this is a team that Sporting Kansas City has got to be up for it because they are playing a very physically fit team. 
a team that for through all its faults, they will play the same style, whether they're losing six to one or winning for nothing. And that's that man marking system, pretty unique in major league soccer under head coach Mat- uh, Matias Almeida. So another thing with San Jose, as far as myself watching this year and what I've kind of picked up on, it's a team that likes to hold possession a little more. They're also very capable of breaking, of course, but when they're playing with possession, they like building out and then creating overloads on one side and then switching to the opposite flank. That's that's what one thing Spring Kansas City has to watch out for, and that kind of funnels into a very important pairing for them, and that's that double pivot of Jackson Yule, Eric Rometty. I was very impressed early in the season, especially with Rometty, who his defense is pretty solid. You might you might remember him from his time with Atlanta United, but he also is very capable of playing those long diagonal balls to completely unlock a defense. So Sporting Kansas City's got to be very wary of those wingers, especially a fast guy like Carlos Fierro or even an Espinoza on those balls. And then Cade Cowell, of course, likes to get the ball in either one of the channels and run at the defense. So again, it's a team that likes to create those overloads. They switch play, and and this is a team that's going to be a little more rotated, or they rotated against the Portland Timbers on the weekend. So I would fully expect a more full full form team, kind of like what I named off. Not all those players I did started against Portland on Saturday, I believe, is when that game was. So another thing with San Jose, they need to be more clinical, and that's kind of where Kansas City can keep them or has an advantage. San Jose has had chances in these games. They've looked dominant. They completely dominated the Seattle Sounders, and the Sounders just had a moment of brilliance from Christian Roldan. Um, and still, San Jose almost equalized at the end of the game because of his brother Alex Roldan going in the goal after the injury of Stefan Fry. And, and there was a very dangerous opportunity on goal, which was a good save by uh, Roldan. So San Jose is a team that, they will generate chances. It's not like they're going to sit back. They're not terrible by any means. Just their style of play can be exploited. And they haven't been sharp in recent weeks at finishing off those chances. My final point with the San Jose team is they are not afraid to take shots. They will come a- and attack. And then they will shoot from outside the box. It took seven shots from outside the box against the Seattle Sounders. They took five shots from outside, to get- outside of the box against Portland. So what that means is for Sporting Kansas City, the back line's got to be cognizant that there are players that will pull up from deep. Now, those are very low percentage shots, so it can kind of work both ways where players will shoot. One of the forwards will shoot from outside the box. and It's not the best shot, and you can live with giving up those opportunities. But it's also a balancing act, knowing you got to be able to close down your defender at the top of the box because they aren't afraid to pull it and test Tim Melia, who is back in net for Sporting Kansas City. So those are kind of the points I have on San Jose going into this game. Now switching over to Sporting Kansas City, obviously the 4-3-3. I have to start with that every time, just running through formations. But we all know what they like to play. A little more healthy for Sporting Kansas City as well. Like I just mentioned, Tim Melia is back. It's very beneficial. Pools Camp did a great job. And now Melia has the starting or will be starting in goal. And everyone knows his reputation is very good and he looked good keeping that clean sheet against the Vancouver Whitecaps you look at the back line for Sporting Kansas City more of the same Felipe Martins on the left Andre Ufantas has that left center back partnered up hopefully crossing fingers with Nicolas Ismat Marin if it's not Ismat Marin you might be looking at Ilya Sanchez to start in that position again 
I do know Marin was more questionable in the last game against Vancouver. So hopefully sporting Kansas City with a week to rest. That's just enough time for Ismet Marin to get back into the starting lineup. But if not, maybe we see him for a half and we see Ilya Sanchez, if that's what Peter Vermees decides to do. Right back, Graham Zussi, of course, is back. He started against Vancouver. I think he plays again against San Jose. That'll be a fun matchup watching him on that right side. Mashed up, usually that's the channel where Cade Cowell likes to run into. So him and Ismet Marin or Ilya Sanchez will have to be cognizant of that. But also it'll be very good, excuse me, to see how they attack um, for Sporting Kansas City going against that earthquake side that again likes to man mark. In the midfield, the midfield three at least, Jean-Luc Abusio, Roger Espinosa, and Gotti Kinda. Those are the three players that started in Sporting Kansas City's win against Vancouver. The one interesting thing from that, Jean-Luc Abusio's been starting the season more as that number eight role, kind of a box-to-box midfielder or in that nine when he was needed when Polito and Johnny Russell were injured. Against Vancouver, he played more as a six. So that's something I want to definitely keep an eye on and see where he's in the midfield. Because that's, of course, a very different role. And in that system, Roger Espinosa still started, but he started in that box-to-box role alongside Gotti Kenda in the 4-3-3. So will Gianluca Busio start as an 8 or as a 6? I, I think that's something I'm keeping an eye on, and I think it's worth taking a look over when watching the game against San Jose if you're even up for that 9 p.m. kickoff, which, again, I think it will be an entertaining game and well worth staying up for. Now to the front three. Johnny Russell, Alan Polito, Kyrie Shelton. The only question mark is Johnny Russell, who did not start against Vancouver after picking up that injury against Houston in midweek last week. I hope he's good enough to get going and start. If not, hopefully we see him. I I think if you don't see him, there's an international break coming up. Sporting Kansas City has one more game after this game against San Jose before a three-week break and then traveling to Portland. Uh, If it's not Johnny Russell, it's Daniel Shallowy, who, again, scored one of the goals in Sporting Kansas City's 3-0 win against Vancouver. Very hot and gold player, but it's good to see him get back on the score sheet with a very well-placed goal. Alan Polito, self-explanatory, two goals against Vancouver, a brace for him. He looks good before we get into all that international break and all that stuff where he could be going back and forth. He's shown why he's so valuable for that uh, for the Sporting Kansas City team, often scoring in ones and twos every single game. It feels like, and of course, confident from the spot as he was against Vancouver. Then you look at Kyrie Shell at the right wing position. Again, if if uh, Shallowy starting, he'll be at right wing. Now, if Johnny, no, 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 if Shallowy starting, you might see Kyrie Shell on the right wing. Yeah, never mind. I'm talking back and forth here. Johnny Russell, if Johnny Russell does play in this game, you're going to see Kyrie Shelton on the left side because Johnny Russell likes to be on that right side. But if Daniel Shallow is starting, you will you will see Kyrie Shelton on the right side as he was the first few games of the season. Some other notes for me on Sporting Kansas City. Does Johnny Russell play? He'll be very benef- or be very beneficial, especially if you see him and Graham Zussi on the right alongside Gotti Kenda trying to pass through that San Jose man marking system. That will be very important if uh, and Johnny Russell would help immensely with that task. You look at the center back pairings I talked about a little bit already. If it's Matt Marinzin or if it's Ilya Sanchez and Graham Zuzzi or Andre Fontes and Felipe Martins, whatever channel that Cade Cal's in, he's kind of been quiet in the last few games against Seattle and Portland. Sporting Kansas City is going to make sure that continues because he is capable 
of putting a few moves in on the ball when he gets in that right or left sided half space or left channel. And he is very, he has a very good shot at goal and he will have one or two dangerous opportunities in this game. Another question, does Polito continue his hot form? I think he does. He's just getting warmed up for sporting Kansas city. Such a good goal scorer. They'll need another goal from him against San Jose most likely. Or if you're looking at likely candidates to score for sporting Kansas city in this game, you're looking at an Alan Polito to, to find the score sheet. And I, I think that's a pretty good bet or as much as anything could be looking at major league soccer and betting on major league soccer these days. Um, and now kind of going through my keys, I have three written down. Another one I will add. San Jose, I mentioned early, you got to be ready to play them the entire game. Giovanni Savarese, the Portland Timbers coach, of course the Timbers played them in their last game, said during a press conference that you always got to be aware with San Jose, one of the most physically fit teams, but also you got to be prepared to start a game and finish it. And that's because of those subs for San Jose. 65th to 70th minute in each game, super sub, Chris Wondolowski, and you probably know that name because it's one of the, actually he is MLS's all-time leading scorer, and he is a clinical finisher. Don't look at his last penalty kick miss slash save against Portland. You look at that game against Real Salt Lake where he turned it on its head. Real Salt Lake up one nothing. Uh, Wondolowski comes in, he scores two goals after the 80th minute, and San Jose picks up the win in that situation. Now he his clinicalness, it's hit or miss with him. Of course, you see it against Houston, but you don't want to be up one nothing or have the game in balance when it's time to see Chris Wondolowski come into the game um, or any of San Jose's other subs. They have a pretty deep roster, and they will make those substitutions around the 60th minute with the style that they play. is very aggressive, as I said. So you're going to see a lot of substitutions, and Sporting Kansas City has got to be ready to weather that. Okay, kind of my three main keys, exploit that man-marking system. That's how you beat the San Jose Earthquakes. And again, like I said, it's very hit or miss. you got to be able to, if you're sporting Kansas City, pass the ball quickly, move players around, create spaces and gaps in in the midfield and, and all over the system. Because one player can, there's if you confuse San Jose's players with trading off their markers and, and, and just creating confusion, it's going to foil the San Jose man-marking system. Now, when you can't move the ball quickly and you allow San Jose off the ball to dictate the game, that's where you get in trouble against this Earthquakes team. Again, they can look really good or really bad. There's not really an in-between. Another thing, I, I actually did mention it, be ready for the entire game. Wando, like I said, comes in, in the 60th to 70th minute, and they are a very fit team looking at, with a lot of motivation in different ways, like I mentioned, that loss to KC in last season's playoffs and needing to pick up a home win because you can't just drop three in a week at home, especially. Finally, if you're sporting Kansas City, you've got to take advantage of the earthquakes lapses. Now, San Jose is usually a team that's on with their man marking system. They're very good at it. They are very um, capable of executing the system. There's not going to be a lot of those moments, but one or two times every game, there's a what the heck is happening. Maybe it's a missed time switch. Your players are trying to switch markers, like I said. There's confusion. There will be one or two moments of lapses, and teams that can take advantage of that can beat the Earthquakes. Again, I keep going back to the Timbers because that's a team I'm familiar with covering as well. Eric Williamson got the Timbers on the score sheet by finding spaces in the zone on a lapse from the Earthquakes, finding Jimmy Chara, who chipped the ball over Marcinkowski. The second goal, Eric Williamson serves a ball. It's just a cross, a simple cross to the back post. 
wide open header from Marvin Luria. So San Jose will have those moments. It's not going to be the entire game. And they looked really, really good against Seattle. But there was that one moment against Seattle where they let Christian Roldan have a little too much time and space on the ball. And he made them pay with a great goal that has had probably a very low expected goals total. But that's what happened. So if Sporting Kansas City can take advantage of the one or two chances a game they get because San Jose just messes up or you don't even see them on the same screen or any of those situations, they will be, they will be able to find all three points in this road game and continue their strong start to the season. I, I do realize I've been talking almost 17 minutes on the Sporting Kansas City and San Jose Earthquakes game. That is all I have there. Now switching over to NWSL, looking at Casey NWSL's game against the Houston Dash. This game is going to be at 6 p.m. Central for KC NWSL, and this game will be a road game in Houston for them. And, and this is a very difficult one. This is the first time that KC NWSL has played the same opponent twice, I do believe, and it's a difficult one. Most lopsided loss, 3-1 at Children's Mercy Park in their quote-unquote home opener against the Houston Dash. They they kind of know, and maybe there's a little bit of benefit and familiarity, but you also know about that past result that won the three loss. Going through the lineup really quickly for Houston, you got Alyssa Chapman at left back again. This is a 4-3-3 from Houston. Jane Campbell in goal, one of the one of the better goalkeepers in the U.S. international pool, or or at least well known. Katie Naughton at left center back, Megan Oyster at right center back, Haley Hansen at right back. You go into the middle three. Christy Mewis, Sophia Schmidt, and Shea Groom. Then you go to the front three, Veronica Latsko, Rachel Daly, and Michelle Prince. Going through some of my notes for Houston, of course, you've probably seen what they can do if you watched that last game or the home game against Houston Dash. They, um, You can see Michelle Prince, and that's the primary player I'm going to bring up a little later. She's fast, pretty good and can create so many dangerous opportunities. Looking at Houston's past game, that was a 1-0 loss to New York, New Jersey, Gotham FC, newly rebranded. And that goal from Gotham came courtesy of Mitch Purse. A low-scoring game, but it's a game where Houston had its chances, could not finish it. 14 shots, one, uh, no goals for Houston. They need to be able to start finishing better, but you're looking at a Houston team that if you can frustrate them defensively, which Kansas City's been known to frustrate a few teams defensively, then you can at least keep yourself in the game for a potential late goal or maybe one goal wins the game. Uh, you look another thing with um, Houston, just kind of looking through what I have before getting the keys and you see Christine Mewis, Sophia Schmidt, should groom. You got to keep an eye on that midfield. That's a very, very dangerous midfield full of good players, but also you got to watch Rachel Daly. She is very capable of putting the ball into the back of the net. It's an interesting Houston team. They look good at times. They look bad at times. There's kind of kind of like San Jose. There's a little bit of an in-between, but not much of it. And if you're Houston uh, or if you're Kansas City, you want to be able to frustrate Houston to give yourselves a chance late into the game. Now getting to Kansas City, I talked about this on the Friday recap episode I recorded the other day. They change tactics all the time. And whether it's a 4-3-3, a 4-4-2, a 4-1-4-1, which is what they did use uh, against um, Racing Louisville in its nil-nil draw um, on the weekend. 
So kind of going to the lineup, Nicole Barnhart, and I'm going to go through the 4-1-4-1 that started against Louisville. Nicole Barnhart at goal, in goal, Christian Edmonds at left back, Rachel Corsi at left center back, right-sided pairing, Taylor Leach, right-sided center back, Katie Boeing and Bowen at right back. The one, Desiree Scott. Uh, Darian Jenkins, Victoria Pickett, Loyal Labanta, and Mallory Weber make up the next four, four line there. And then Amy Rodriguez up top. That's how Kansas City lined up in its last game. Of course, you have a Mariana Larroquette that can come into a game, and that's when you kind of see the 2-4 lineup with her and Amy Rodriguez. You see so many different things with this Kansas City team. It's always <laughs> interesting to see each and every one of their games, at least from a tactical standpoint. So for, for Kansas City, their defense has been fine. You look at recent games, a nil-nil draw. You have a 2-1 loss in Portland to a Portland team that put up five goals on the weekend to a good Chicago team. The most goals they've conceded is three against Houston in the last time these two teams played. The defense is okay. It's finding goals. And how can Kansas City find goals? And you got Amy Rodriguez, of course. But outside of her, who is their threat? If if they're gonna pick up their first win as their newly as newly rebranded kind of expansion side, KCN WSL, they need to get on the score sheet more. They can't just rely on holding teams to zero or one goals if they can't score any goals themselves. A player I really like seeing, of course, Victoria Pickett. I've talked about her a bunch in the past. A very exciting player for KCNWSL. She looks good, especially in possession, picking out passes, keeping keeping the ball, all of that. I do love watching her play. And now kind of going to my keys for this game. One, slow down Nichelle Prince, especially with her able to get in behind and make dangerous attacking movements down the right side. Now, this is easier said than done but it's what unlocked Casey and WSL the first time these two teams played. Houston will go to her again and again, and she's fast. She will space out a defense vertically, which means that Kansas City is going to have their back line playing a little deeper to manage Prince, which opens up spaces in the midfield, and that's where it's dangerous against Houston. She opens up the game for players like Christy Mewis and, and Shea Groom. You look at the first goal Houston had against Kansas City the other week. That was Christy Mewis at the top of the box, in that space between the defense and the midfield opened up because of the speed of Nichelle Prince. Now, when she's not used just to open up and help Houston find space, she's getting the ball and she's making a direct run at the end line every time. And Kansas City struggled to deal with that. And that's kind of that's got to be one of Coach Hugh Williams's first points with that team is stopping that. Because once she gets to the end line, she can play dangerous crosses in to a charging player at the back post. That's where Shea Groom comes in. She's very good at those late rocks runs. Christy Mewis has done it too. I think she got a, her a brace and her second goal was in that kind of style. Or um, Prince will play a low ball back into the box. Once she gets to the byline, it becomes a whole world of danger for Kansas City and they cannot allow that to happen again. So slowing down the shell Prince has to be priority number one for them. The other thing I kind of touched on this going through the roster, Kansas City's got to limit Christy Mewis and Rachel Daly's impact, but they also can't forget about Shea Groom. Shea Groom made a name for herself, kind of a more of a coming out party. She's been in the NWSL for a long time, but in that, in that, in the Challenge Cup last season, she's had a few great goals. She has a strong foot. She can shoot from distance. She's good with her head and in the air. They've got to watch her, and she's kind of a, the unknown, really good, not unknown, but she'll fly under the radar, radar, especially when you look like an English international. And Rachel Daly, pretty much a U.S. Women's National Team International, and Christine Mewis, she's been playing really well during Houston's good run of form in the last two seasons. So 
Of course, you got to watch Daly and Mewis, and Daly's capable of scoring goals in a hurry and changing a game. But Shea Groom, they've got to pay attention to her too. And finally, how does Kansas City best get A-Rod involved? How do you connect her to the midfield? How do you keep her so she's not on her island getting marked out by multiple defenders? With KC, it kind of goes back to finding an offense point. When there's not a lot of players who can help take that load off Amy Rodriguez, she's going to be the main focus of every defensive scouting report, and she's always going to be marked. It's going to be more difficult for her to get goals. And for that, it's important that she comes in. She she can combine. However, she's used in this game tactically, finding spaces, getting on the end of balls. When Casey puts together good results, it's when she gets on the end, end of anything, and she can put in a good goal or two, a scrappy goal or two we've seen a few times in the Challenge Cup. That's what we've got to see again against against Houston and going into the future. How does Coach Hugh Williams get Amy Rodriguez better involved? And you see all that those tactical flexibility. I've talked about the tactical flexibility, different formations. She's flanked by two wingers. She's playing up top by herself. And below her is three, uh, two attacking midfielders and a main attacking midfielder, I should say. But how is she getting the ball and how can she score even more goals? And then how how do they get her help? But that's the conversation for another day and so again this game against the houston dash will be in houston at 6 p.m central much earlier than the game or than sporting kansas city's game against san jose and the houston game is going to be on sunday sporting kansas city play san jose on a saturday so another very exciting weekend of soccer and i think that will about do it for me Again, you can follow me on twitter at kyle underscore pinnell underscore you can follow the podcast at soccer at the zoo that's COU. Like I said, enjoy another full weekend of soccer. I'm glad to be back doing these previews, and I will once again be back to recap this the action from this game in Sporting Kansas City's game. Maybe bring some audio from pressers on Friday. <laughs>